0: Welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 25. I'm Mick Hanley. Later in the programme, we talk with Eddie Bowen, who is hosting a historical walking tour of Ringsend pubs on the 13th, 14th and 21st of August. Last week, we spoke to uh, Mary Lynch, who was commissioned by the South Inner City Drugs and Alcohol Task Force to do a research project on increasing the understanding of mental health. And this week I'm joined by Nicola Perry, Manager of Community Response Project and Niamh Foley, Coordinator of the Community Alcohol Detox, uh, both at South Inner City Drugs and Alcohol Task Force. Uh, Nicola Neve, you're welcome to uh, the programme and thanks a lot for coming in uh, to us today. If I could start with you, um, Nicola, uh, as Manager of the Community Response uh, Project, can you just outline what, what... your task is or what do you do on a daily basis Uh,
1: sure thanks a million for having us Mick Um, what we do in community response is it's a primary alcohol service so what that means is we provide help and support For people who are um, having different issues with alcohol, you know, from that being maybe just having a a few difficulties, maybe when you start, you find it difficult to stop. Or sometimes when you're, you know, you're, you could go for a couple of weeks, not have a drink, but then you go out and maybe you're drinking, you know, until the next day. So it's, it wouldn't be the kind of, you know, we try and steer people away from the view that if you've got an alcohol problem, that means you drink every day, all day, because that really isn't the case. It is for some people. But it, it isn't it isn't the general worldview. So we provide one to one support. We provide groups for people who are still drinking, um, for people who have stopped drinking and we work with them to um, give them, I guess, tools or training or help to stay not drinking. And within that, there's some broader stuff. We work with mindfulness-based relapse prevention. Again, just a, another way to help you if you've stopped drinking, stop, stay stopped. Um, we provide family support for people, you know, who may be their, their partner or their parent or, uh, you know, a close friend. Has had alcohol problems, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what we do every day.
0: And drugs involved as well, like the people who are you know, yeah. maybe doing both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah as we, we tend to say to people, like uh, we are the, the clues in the title. It's primary alcohol, but um, if you are using other drugs, like if you're smoking weed or doing coke or whatever, um, that that isn't an issue. You're still going to get a, a free service offers. But if uh, if your primary drug, as in the thing you'd go for most, was, say for example cocaine uh, there are other services that are better served for you so you know we, we would help you find somewhere that was um, the, the best service for you at that time
0: now we're in the rings and irish town area here with uh, Rick um, but this area that you deal with is right across the yeah. south south inner yeah. city and beyond is it
1: yeah absolutely we we are lucky enough to get funding from the south inner city drugs task force and also the, the hsc and the the canal communities drugs task force so that would bring us right from i guess here Irish Town, rings end across to um pretty much inchicore bluebell and then down well you know to be honest with you mick we're not going to turn anyone away you know if they turn up and they've got an issue and uh, there either isn't a service where they are living or it isn't something that they feel comfortable about you know going to somewhere sometimes it's difficult for people if uh, someone they know works in a service you know or whatever and they Mm, they, mm. you know that there is a lot of stigma obviously around uh, drug use or alcohol use so we're we're always going to say yes to people
0: and is is it for everyone like does it matter whether you've your 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 salary or what you're like that it's it's for everybody that it's
1: for absolutely everybody and yeah um all of our services are free uh because of obviously we're funded so we're able to do that which is fantastic but no that there's there's no in fact quite the opposite of any charges we we don't take anything like we're prohibited you know we wouldn't it well we might take a box of chocolates in fairness you know i'm not going to lie yeah, but yeah. um just <laughs> dropping that in there
0: um uh, <laughs> or a bunch of flowers <laughs>
1: yeah yeah Maybe. yeah the, the odd yeah. little nice thing but now so in all seriousness now everything is completely free so and it doesn't uh, for for us it, I guess the issue that you're having with alcohol or maybe drug use uh, is what we focus on it doesn't matter how old you are where you're from what country you're from uh, whether you're working whether you're not you know that we're we're not gonna um, as I said we're not gonna say no to you.
0: Everyone's welcome.
1: Yeah absolutely.
0: Now for you you you're coordinating the community alcohol detox so can you just outline exactly what that entails.
2: Yeah, so I suppose the Community Alcohol uh, Detox Initiative was set up in 2019 as part of the National Drug Strategy. So basically funding was granted to 12 different initiatives across the country, and this is one of them. So the initiative is basically aimed at addressing alcohol use in the canal communities, Dublin 12, Ballyfermot, and the South Inner City. So basically I've been employed as, I suppose, the alcohol link worker and the coordinator of... The initiative and my role is basically to develop a lot of relationships within the community with service users, service providers, community organisations, James's Hospital, a lot of GPs, primary care centres, mental health professionals, you name it. Um, A lot of different kind of um, professionals who are working in the field around supporting people with alcohol. Um, And then as part of my role then as well is basically to try and address the barriers um, that are present for individuals who are looking to access support around alcohol in the community. Um, So I suppose in terms there are residential services that are there that if people want to access and get support, they can attend. But sometimes waiting lists can be long or maybe people have different circumstances where they're not in a position to go to residential, and so they would prefer community supports. And so my role is basically about addressing those barriers, looking at what exactly is happening for people, and how can, I suppose, we as a community respond to those needs to make sure that people's needs are being met.
0: And where most of the referrals, are they from the likes of GPs or...? Are-
2: Yeah, so I suppose it wasn't really like it just kind of so happened that at the start when I first entered my role, I did a lot of kind of um, engagement with a lot of GPs and primary care centres and basically just chatting around alcohol and what was happening. And there was a general consensus that there was kind of a lack of awareness of community based services and kind of where to refer people to and referral pathways and stuff like that. And it has happened now since that like a lot of GPs do contact me and I suppose I end up acting as the link worker, I suppose, where, say, if a GP is working with somebody who is looking for support around their alcohol, I will speak to that person over the phone. I will assess, you know, maybe what their situation is, what services they might like to avail of, and then I will make the referral then to an appropriate service. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of our referrals have tended to come from and we have had a couple of referrals from hospitals as well
0: well yeah hospitals of people turning up I suppose yeah with an issue yeah Um Nicola, could you could you is there a classification for what is an alcohol problem um
1: the the short answer is yes uh the the very long answer is the classification isn't just one classification, so um, it would kind of be broken down into. you There's lots of tools. When I say tools, I mean basically questionnaires that you can do with people and fill them out to get a sense of things like um, how often people drink, how much they're drinking, um, what impact that has on their behaviour. So things like questions that are important that give us an understanding of what an alcohol problem is. Is say for example. Um, a frequent question would be, when you drink, do you ever wake up and you can't remember part of the night? We would say that 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 would be an indication that, you know, there might be an issue. Not if that happened once, not that I'm saying that's a good thing to happen. But if that happens once on a, on a particular time or event, that's something that's part of how you drink, that you're having short blackouts or even longer ones, then that would be that would basically it's, it's almost a little bit like a reverse lotto because you get a score for each thing you answer yes to or that has happened and the higher your score that would then be applied to a criteria so we would say like that there's no sign of an alcohol issue there are some signs but it's Basically, if you give the person a little bit of advice about maybe doing a couple of things, if they pick up on that, everything should be fine. Then you go into that sounds the more medical jargon of um, kind of hazardous drinking, hazard, dangerous. So you're talking things like, um, have you ever hurt yourself when you've been drinking? You know, have you had a fall? Have you bumped into something? Have you, you know, just been involved in something that's ended up? And then there's also within that, you can look at, like, have you ever hurt yourself and you woke up with a bruise and maybe you didn't know where it was come from. So then you've got you've got the blackout and you've got the bruise. Um, Or then do you actually drink and have you ever ended up in hospital? You know, like Leeve said there, you know, we we get some referrals and we would in broader the broader service of community response from people who end up in A&E. And pretty much the reason they're in A&E probably wouldn't have taken place if they hadn't been drinking. So, you know, we'd, we'd consider that quite hazardous. And then the the kind of, if you like, the top end of the criteria would be dependent. So that would be, I think, the very um, the very classic, the very uh, sort of cultural view of someone who, you know, is getting up and they, they, they find it difficult to function physically normally until they've had a drink. So, you know, I mean, dependent is as it sounds. You depend on it, and if you don't have alcohol you feel pretty unwell and in fact not only can you feel unwell it can be quite dangerous which is hence the idea around the the community alcohol detox Mm -hmm. that someone would have a support you know while they're trying to stop drinking because if someone's at that stage where they're drinking so regularly and it's daily and they stop very suddenly um, it can be physically dangerous like you, you can have seizures, you know, you, you, can, um, you can you can really affect your blood pressure. So that's something that, you know, your GP can help with in services like us. So does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Niamh, I suppose from your day to day when you're dealing with the community and you're, you're out there getting people, is there a cohort of, of people? Is it, is it a gender thing? Is it an age profile? Is it or is it? everything quick who who would this affect most
2: yeah like i would actually say that there is a complete variety of people who have been referred from gps and i mean like people of all different ages like i mean i would say the youngest is probably that we've been referred as maybe 23 now this is just within the community Mm -hmm. alcohol detox initiative piece not with just with community response and right up to like 60 odd you know um and I mean, they come from all different backgrounds. There's people who are working full-time, who are 9 to 5, who are looking for after-hour supports. There's people maybe who are staying in homeless accommodation. So, and I mean, like, this is, like, really just from those referrals that it's literally coming from all over and all different groups of people, you know. Um, so I think it's, like, it's really important to kind of realise that there are alcohol problems Everywhere, it's not just with any particular group Group, of people. Um, Sometimes it's, I suppose, more culturally accepted, like within different groups and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's it's a complete variety of people that are being referred through.
0: And if someone is referred to you, what's the process from from there the criteria
2: so with the community alcohol detox initiative specifically generally speaking it was it's actually been kind of like an informal thing that's just kind of happened that gps have started to refer through me um and generally the process is that a gp will email me or the hospital will email me or they will ring me and they will say you know I have Joe Blogs here they're X-H, age they're looking for support around alcohol maybe they may require a medically supervised detox and maybe they may just be looking for general support around alcohol and so they'll offer me that person's number or they will offer the person my number, either or. And either I will ring them or they will ring me. And I will just have a chat with them just around what their situation is, around what supports they would like, around if they've ever had supports before. Um, and then basically from that, I will assess their needs and then I will basically find a service that will be appropriate for them. So it's probably important to note that within community organizations, there is like a variety of different supports. So, mm. you know, some people maybe might be might be drinking like moderately, but it may be problematic for them. Mm. And they may really like going to AA, they might find that that really helps them. Somebody else might find having a key worker who works with them one-to-one for a few weeks, that might really help. Other, there's also day programs which help people maybe who are... Drinking um, and looking to reduce and stabilise, um, and then there's counselling supports there as well, and then obviously then there's you know the medically supervised detox piece where a key worker would work one to one with an individual in collaboration with a GP. Um, And so there's so many different supports out there that when the GP refers to me, it gives that person the opportunity to get that full kind of scope of what supports are out there, what their actual options are. um, And then we can have like a kind of chat around and it just makes sure that the person is being referred to the most appropriate services for them.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And Nicola, is, is this an ongoing project, or does it is it for a certain period of time?
1: Um, the, the the services that I mentioned earlier uh, broadly that they're, they're ongoing. The community alcohol detox, um, as Neve mentioned earlier, because it was a funding that came, you know, a national funding program. We um, end that at the end of this year, but we we think um, there's two things. One it's really helpful for people. It's really useful for people. And I think anything that, you know, can, can make the, the decision easier or the journey easier to address an alcohol or a drug problem, you know, clearly has got to be a good thing. But it's also backed up quite well with research, you know, which the, the people who hold the purse strings normally want to hear about as well. So we, we're relatively confident that we will acquire additional funding to keep this going. Uh, basically because All about
0: funding I think It's at the always end of the about day. funding isn't it strange yeah, yeah. always
1: comes back to money um, yeah. but as I said we're pretty confident because it's it's been built um, on listening to the people who either work in it day to day be it the you know the key workers the people in community projects uh, the GPS Hospital staff and most importantly, um, people who have alcohol issues and drug issues themselves. So I think, you know, particularly what Neve has done over the last uh, year and a half or so is, is build something that's fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. And it, it would be, you know, it would be a huge shame to see that disappear at this point because we're still building and we're still developing. And the other thing is, you know, any funders out there listening, what this also will be really good for doing is this can be put into other areas, you know. This doesn't, it's great that it's in inner city Dublin and we love it. That's where we're based and where we do most of our work. But this would work just as effectively uh, in the Midlands or, you know, in in another larger city. So um, instead of, you know, a lot of the time we do tend to put money into something in place A and then that ends and then we put it in in place B and, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, I think there's a lot of scope there to, to use what we've learned and uh, replicate on, on somewhere a else basis big time yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: um tell me uh for people to contact you as you said everyone this is open to everybody so yeah. a lot of people probably might know about the service uh, as well as that if they have an issue sometimes they don't want to go to their gp because you'd be given out and they might refer them on they just kind of maybe bury their head in the sand as to say i don't have a problem um where can they contact you
1: um, we can be contacted um, if you just want to have a look at what our service is like and what the, you know, more information than what I've given you. Uh, we're at www.communityresponse.ie. So that's the, the main website. There's information on that about uh, the community alcohol detox as well. Our um, number is zero one four five four nine seven seven two, 9772. And what you can also do um, either give us a ring. Um, someone you know we're normally open nine to five monday to friday but as neve said you know there are people who need sometimes support outside of those hours because of whatever reason yeah yeah, so we 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 will do that we will meet people you know kind of before the start of the working day or later on that's absolutely no issue we also you don't have to just to make that clear you don't have to be referred to us you can just refer yourself So if you ring us up and say, you know, uh, you don't have to say I've got a problem. You can say, I'm not sure and I'd like to talk to someone about it. Yeah. And I just want to find out more. Um, That's fine. Or you can go onto our website and there's a contact me form there. Just fill that in. Um, All you need to put in is a name and a number. Again, someone will contact you or you can refer yourself through the website. And what that means is you would then be contacted by us, usually within a day or so, and we will bring you in for an assessment, which sounds a bit scary, but all it means is it's a little, bit, it's a chat. Yeah. It's a chat to yeah. say, what, could, what do you think the problem is? Are we the right place for you? Is this the right place? Are you comfortable with what we can offer you? As I said, most of the time, the answer is yes, but if it isn't, we will always work with you to find somewhere that will help you.
0: And for both these as well Nick and and if I suppose when you get someone and you see the change in them uh, or do they come back to you as you said, the box of chocolates and all that that you know successful out, outcome of it um and that from it must be quite satisfying workloads for yourselves.
2: Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose I don't like at the moment, my current role, I don't work like directly with clients, but it is quite, I suppose it's satisfying for me to see when so when if a GP rings me, for example, and you can make sure that that person is being offered the most appropriate Mm -hmm. levels of support. And that's kind of the satisfying piece for me, because I know that sometimes that one interaction with one person at that one time to send them to the right place makes such a difference. And if they're not sent to the right place that one time, that can, it has such a massive impact on somebody. Um, so to see, I suppose, the initiative itself kind of playing out in that sense and seeing that people are able to ring somebody and be able to be informed about what supports are out there. And even if that support doesn't work out, it's like, you still have my number, ring me back if that doesn't work and we can figure out something else. Um. And that's the kind of satisfying piece for me is that the people are just being referred to appropriate services is probably the the biggest piece for me
1: and i would say on that as well i mean yeah we we do um sometimes clearly that's the that's the nature of life uh you know sometimes we make changes and they're positive and they're hard to maintain and so we might have someone in with us for a while we we tend to keep people as As long as we need to, to support them, but not ongoing. So, you know, most of our clients would be through with us within three to six months maximum. But then if you need to come back, of course, you always can. That's never a problem. For example, um, there's a guy with us currently who he facilitates the the mindfulness group that I mentioned we we put him through training we paid for him to go on training and he was part of that group you know as a participant now he facilitates it I mean he was a client of us probably um, over four years ago now yeah and now he he has paid employment he has his own accommodation this is something he wants to do you know for uh, us and other people in the group comes in once a week for 90 minutes and does that group so yeah seeing that is phenomenal when you You think sometimes of, you know, the crisis that people are in when we first meet them Mm. to the the journey that they go on and, you know, through their own work, how they end up is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant services all around. Let's hope the funding will continue. Before we let you go, Nicola, give us those. Places that you can be contacted again. Uh, sure.
1: Uh, the website is www.communityresponse.ie and our phone number is 014549772.
0: Brilliant. Nicola, Nave, thanks a lot for coming into us uh, today and uh, telling us all about the great work that you're doing.
1: Thanks, Emily Mick. Thanks so Cheers. Much for having us. Looking for
3: a meaningful career? Perhaps you have a natural love for helping others. Perhaps you looked after a friend or family member. A career in home care can be very fulfilling. Home Instead have full and part-time positions. Training and support will be provided. Search Home Instead Careers or visit careers.homeinstead.ie
1: Home Instead, to us it's personal.
0: And just to let you know, Home Instead will be here in Ringsend, Town Community Centre on Tuesday the 16th of August between half past two and half past four in the afternoon. You're listening to Rick Radio's Community News Desk Podcast. Well, joining me uh, this afternoon is uh, Eddie from... uh, 1916 uh, Easter Rising Coach Tours. Uh, Eddie, you're very welcome uh, to the programme, but uh, today we're going to talk a little about your tours coming up on the pubs of the Ringsend uh, area, and I think there's quite a lot uh, of history there with uh, just three pubs left in this area, but uh, over the years they've changed names and uh, they've had some familiar uh, people coming to uh, visit them.
3: Yeah, thanks Mick. Um, yeah, I mean, there's only three pubs left today. Um, probably everyone knows the the Oarsman, Clarks and the Yacht. Uh, but in 1950, there were 12 pubs. And even before that, there were even more pubs. There were She Beans. Um, but they all got a bit of a jolt. I mean, Wings End was an awful smaller community at that time. It was only really a peninsula. Uh, but a lot of it changed in uh, 373 years ago this month, when a certain Oliver Cromwell landed in um, in Ring's End. Now he was an authoritarian, uh, but he was a notoriously bad sailor. So when he landed in Ringsend, uh, despite he had a proclamation uh, declaring drinking illegal, uh, the first thing he'd done was into a pub and they drank it dry because uh, he needed a couple of stiff ones to steady the nerves. So as soon as they uh, emptied the pub, um, pubs were closed. And again, um, it took a while for them to recover. Throughout the 1700s there was very little legislation so everyone kind of, if you knew the right legislation, if you knew the right JP to hand out a little brown envelope to you, were able to get a licence, so, I mean, hence the likes of Wine Tavern Street in the centre of the city, where every pub in a small street, every house was a pub, hence the name Wine Tavern Street. Through the 1800s, not much changed until the famine. And although it didn't really affect Wings End too much because we had, luckily enough, an abundance of fish, uh, what did happen was the temperance movement. And the temperance movement uh, done a lot of damage. Um, And again, I'll tell the stories of some of these pubs. One in particular was a man called Edward Jevons who had a pub on Thomas Street. Again, it's probably not too many listeners would be familiar exactly where Thomas Street is, but it's where the Ringsend Library is. It's part of Irish Town Road. So he had it where Ringsend Library is. He had his pub there. Uh, but then he saw the changes with the um, temperance movement, and he became what became known as a cordial shop. So there were only sparrows supposed to sell cordials, the likes of what we'd say today, black and my and my, live, waddy my waddy's yeah, my waddy's yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, publicans found a, a way around it that uh, the rules stated they could serve uh, an alcohol based drink because it was very hard to get much drink and again it was safer to drink alcohol than it was water um, so anything under 10% uh, could be served so the likes of some of the things like Benedictine and cheap wines were on sale and People were going into these cordial shops believing they weren't serving drink and coming out drunk and being arrested and couldn't figure out exactly why. Uh, But Jevons turned his place into a cordial shop in uh, 1849 and by 1853 he had gone bankrupt. So that was, uh, and again, that was one another, again, that was part of a reason why some of the licenses started to disappear. His pub went bankrupt and never became a pub again. Uh, It actually became a, a grocer's shop after that. And a lot of pubs then again because of the temperance movement because of the famine uh, changed from just being pubs uh, to this uh, spirit grocer and merchant you also had to have a licence to serve tea tea and spirits seemed to be the two major commodities uh, so you'd have a lot of pubs were now grocer shops so they were spirit grocers they had renamed they reinvented themselves uh, which is part of the reason for the tour because I'm kind of thinking after Covid pubs would probably have to reinvent themselves again
0: you know? absolutely yeah
3: Covid has uh, caused a lot of
0: problems in, in in different areas, and no more so for for publicans, as as you say. Um, but the history remains. And the history will
3: always be there. History always mean, always be You know that each each one. I, I know many people. I mean, when I was growing up, there was five pubs. So I always remember Fitzharris's, uh, North's. Uh, well, I'm going to say and Simpsons, but it had more names than hot dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, Yacht and then Sally O'Brien's or Smith's as I remember at first uh, there was five, now there's just three, so again there's been a an attrition of pubs in in in, in the Ringsend area in, in 1916 there was a lot more pubs um, where the National Council of the Blind Shop is now in the corner of Fitzwilliam Street that was a pub, that was originally North's a man called Morgan North owned that and his daughter married into the Nelson family who had Greengrocers on the, on, the, on the Bridge Street, and one of their places was turned into a pub, so into Marion. So once they opened the pub in Bridge Street, there was no need for the pub in Fitzwilliam Street, so it was closed again. Nutrition of licenses. Fitzharris is another one, probably a lot of the older um, listeners might remember that. That's now, of course, Domino's Pizzas. So even our our habits have changed of what we do with our social life, our our social economy has changed. Uh, There's no need for as many pubs. But they all have some great histories. Um, What was the oarsman? That was Tunis. Um, That was mentioned in Ulysses. Um, That's right, yeah. yeah. Two of their barmen were killed in the War of Independence. One of them, the manager was killed and a barman was killed in action. Uh, One of them was killed up at Leeson Street Bridge, I'll tell that story. the owner in 19, in January nineteen sixteen, a man called um, Robert Woodcock bought what it, what is today what we, people would we know as Sally O'Brien's. He bought that from a man called Peter Clowry, and he was from Carlo. So Easter weekend nineteen sixteen goes home to Carlo. Uh, makes it on his way back up when he heard there was a bit of trouble in the city. He got stopped on Saint Stephen's Green by the rebels his car was taken off and used as a barricade he was taken into um, Stephen's Green and tied to a tree again Stephen's Green had been turned into what probably described as the the green fields of France they had dug trenches which probably wasn't the most ingenious of military ideas because the British military were on top of the Shellbourne looking down and and they were Mm. cannon fodder Um, but they they One of the rebels had recognised Woodcock. Woodcock's brother also had a pub up in um, Thomas Street and they were seen as having supported Larkin, or not Larkin, Murphy, during the the great lockout and there was a bit of bitterness towards him so they tied him to a tree. So on the day after the the rising started when the rebels had to withdraw from um, St Stephen's Green they went back to the College of Surgeons uh, but he was left there all day and eventually somebody went out to collect them. And when they brought him back over to the College of Surgeons, uh, he had deteriorated from hypothermia, and he died in Jervis Street Hospital. You know, he only had bought the pub in January, and he became a casualty to nineteen sixteen Rising.
0: Incredible, incredible! Yeah, all so these he, stories. So
3: lots, lots of lots of stories, Eddie. Lots, of, to lots of little stories. Deliver, deliver yeah, lots yeah. Of, a few, a few tales of murder. And yeah. A few funny tales. one of my favourite ones uh, you might like this one is. Um, in what in Gaborn's autobiography, now he never named a gentleman in particular, but Gaborn came to do a, a piece in, in Rings End, uh, about the raconteurs that would be, you know, people who could talk. I mean, I remember like some lyrics Murphy and this wasn't lyrics now by the way, but it was way before his time. Uh, but he was television was in his infancy at that time. Uh, but they came to Rings End to do a piece and um Uh, the producer had organised for a a guy to come in and and tell them a few stories. I suppose a bit like myself, going around telling a few stories. And uh, Gay was told he was the bard of Ring's End. So they arrived outside, they said they'd meet him outside the church at 10 o'clock, ready for half ten opening. 10 o'clock came, no sign of him. 11 o'clock came, no sign of him. Half 11. Next thing, this fella stumbled off a bus, the number two or number three or whatever, stumbled off the bus. And he came down and introduced himself and... Gay was delighted to get this over and done with. He can go home back up to the nice studios. And uh, they said, right, we'll go across the whatever we we'll say, the Fitz oh I can't go in there, no, I owe the publican a few pounds. I can't go in there, you know, if you wouldn't serve me. Oh, what about Tony's? Oh, I can't go in there, row with the barman. And they said, what about the yacht? Well, is there any pub? No, sure, that's why I'm called the bard of Runzend Bard in every pub. <laughs> Gabe all told that story,
0: that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They're all very close to one another, like Clarks and, and uh, the Oarsmen are nearly next door. And then, as you say, if you stand at the, those two, you can just see the yachts. So it's a, a very... There
3: was actually, was uh, two there now, uh, yeah. and you can see there was three Fitzharrises. There was actually four in Bridge Street at one stage. Yeah. So there was four pubs in Bridge Street. Again, you can see the number of pubs I'll be talking about. It would be a lot. there will be a lot of names coming at you. Yeah. I mean, even the yacht isn't where the original yacht isn't where it is today it i suppose in, in rings end Parents it was moored somewhere else it was moored on the opposite side here where the flats are uh, on the corner of what was known as uh, probably appropriately whiskey row uh, and then in the late 1800s 1900s it moved across and was actually known as the royal yacht that was the advertising on it at one stage yeah the royal yeah. yacht Uh sort of differentiate itself from uh, what was clemens's and again, like uh, Clemens's were a big name in Ringsend, they were shipbuilders and a lot of shipbuilders owned the pubs. Mm. So the shipbuilders had to go into the pub to collect their wages and then the publican had their own coinage so the only place you could spend your change mm. was back in the pub so back they in the were pub, absolutely yeah, yeah. making a fortune
0: out of it and of course we know brings in big maritime as oh, well you've huge. got the yacht the oarsman okay Clark's oh. just a name yeah. so sure, it was uh, Bunnet Bunn- Bunn- Bunn-
3: and Simpsons at one stage I remember it as Bunnet and Simpsons and Bunnet and Simpsons were actually the, the oyster bed Uh, they had the franchise for the oysters Dublin Bay oysters and they would sell them to well at the time a famous woman had a pub called it had the sign of the good woman and Mrs Squires and she uh, had a big splash in the newspapers back in the uh mid-1700s uh, that she was get getting the contract for Bullet and Simpson's Oysters and she made a, a big business there like uh, so Bunnett yeah. Simpson the name yeah, yeah. again names come back around like you know yeah absolutely so the the tours they're on the 13th Saturday
0: the 13th Sunday the 14th and so, Sunday the 21st of August yes um, at the moment you've won sold out have you won? it's
3: sold out again if, if there's people who really want to do it the 14th is sold out the Sunday uh, if people really want to do it on the Sunday I would put a second tour on that day yeah. if there's enough interest Um, I know Heritage Ireland kind of just uh, asks us to do three tours Uh, I'll do an extra one if it's needed and again I'll do it uh, happened last year I had to cancel one due to inclement weather conditions it was like a a monsoon so we we moved a a week so I don't everybody will be accommodated so if you just go if you want to make a booking just go to 1916 Easter Rising Coach Tour at gmail.com or you'll find it on the Heritage Ireland website Lovely, and the cost is involved. It's absolutely free. Free? Free. Incredible. Not, a, a, not a penny. Just thrown to up. Turn up. Enjoy yeah. the tour, and if you really want, it's on a Saturday or a Sunday, a nice weekend day when the tour is over. Head into one of the pubs and have a nice drink. Fantastic. Well, soak up the history. Well, Eddie, I hope you get better weather this year. I, I uh, pray
0: uh, for, for it. But uh, it sounds fascinating, and, and you, you've great. you've given us a, a a snippet of some of the stories that you'll yeah. be telling on on, on, on the day yeah, as well.
3: Plenty more. It lasts about an hour, and it's less than a kilometer in length. So it's and that's you know we. We'll Go at a pace that suits everybody.
0: Lovely. Thanks a lot for coming in and telling us uh, about it. Cheers. And that's all from the Community News Desk for this week. As ever, my thanks to Dylan on sound and editing. If you would like to promote an event, please send us an email to rickradio2020 at gmail.com. Allow two weeks' notice as this podcast is pre recorded in advance. I hope you have a great week. from myself, Mick Handy, salaam.